This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Hello and welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast. Um, it's just the three of us today. Darren's not made it, mainly because I didn't email him clearly enough. <laughs> but um, whatever, you should read the email all the way through, even if it doesn't sound like it's for him. But um, yeah, so it's just the three of us: just me, David, uh, and Lindsay and Laura, as usual. Hello. And we're finally going to hit our Hitchcock special tonight, I think. Woohoo! Uh, unless we run out of time. Unless we run out of time, because Lindsay's in a rush, but we'll be all right. And Laura was late. Yeah. Uh, I will say as well, we've got new recording equipment. I've got a fancy little new microphone, which is supposed to make life a bit easier. I don't know if the quality's going to be as good, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> cool. So let's get straight on to it. Trailers. Uh, Lindsay, you've seen two trailers. I have. Yeah. Um, Paranorman. Has anyone seen it? Paranorman. Yeah, it's a kids' film. Yes, this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's it looks kind of cute. It's the guys that did Coraline, which I didn't see, Um, but it's like a little kid, kind of classic American little kid that is a bit of a weirdo and nobody likes him, and even his parents don't like him. He's got a horrible big sister, but he can talk to the dead. And by the, the shape of the trailer, the film is that. Some evil witch is going to come back and destroy them all and raise the dead. So he has to go and talk to the ghosts and figure out how to stop her. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of quirky little American kid. Everyone's all long and skinny and big head and big eyes, and there's lots of ghosts. And it looks like, yeah, I'm totally going to see it. And cool. you're like, ooh, that looks pretty. There's yeah. like a bit where the toilet walls come alive in the trailer. Toilet and walls? it's like, oh, yeah, he's in the toilet and the, the, like, the walls come alive and the tiles start kind of creeping up the wall and it's just like oh that's gross kind of like it bit of bit of scary stuff for little people yeah i saw the first show for that i'm always a bit of a sucker for animation anyway but it does yeah, yeah it looks it looks pretty cool i think i've seen some early reviews in i think it's out in america i'm sure i've seen some reviews and it's it is supposed to be pretty decent so um yeah definitely one to look out for yeah it's not it can't be far off release although i never know the difference i always just assume the american schedules are the same they used, like, oh, it's coming but no. they used to be but recently these last few months i've noticed they've been um, going back to the old ways there's a quite a few films like brave came out ages ago in america and um i think it's a lot of it's the summer holidays their summer holidays start so early and our yeah. start so late it's uh, they're, so they're staggering the kid releases yeah exactly yeah makes sense you know you gotta get your, your summer holiday money where you can yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and on the, the stark contrast end of that, well, not quite, was uh, the campaign, which is Will Ferrell is a senator and he's running for Senate in a, and nobody ever challenges his seat because nobody ever registers themselves. And then in strolls Zach, what's his face? Galvin, thank you. I think I got that right. <laughs> As a kind of an everyman who's a bit dim and he's like, he challenges him and then they obviously... They go on a campaign and hilarious consequences. You know, hilarious in, consequences. The trailer ends with Will Ferrell punching a baby. So really, oh, it's God. kind of, you can predict the tone of the movie. <laughs> someone laughing at the punched baby. Uh, it's, that, it's going to be that kind of film. It might have moments of funny, but as always with Will Ferrell, it will go too far, which makes the whole thing not funny. As opposed to being kind of moments of brilliance and having a plot. 
it'll just yeah. be Will Ferrell smacking things and falling over things and and taking yeah. a joke two steps too far always. It's a funny so, one, Will Ferrell. Occasionally, I, I I get into it and like it, but to be honest, it, I, actually, I don't think I've seen a lot of his more recent ones. I just it's weird. I can't always be asked with it, but at the same time, Anchorman and Old School, although he's got a small role in Old School, I, I've always quite enjoyed those films. They're stupid, but they are funny. But, I, have but I don't know. Film. Some of his more recent ones, I don't know. Just can't be bothered with them. He gets a bit tiresome. So a lot of these comedians that have such a sort of particular style and such a dumb sort of humour, it's like they just, it's hard to stay interested in their yeah. sort of shtick. Um, yeah. <laughs> In his heyday, it just got ridiculous. It was like, stop gurning. Yeah. It's this now. Cool. I feel that with Will Ferrell, it's like, this is the punchline, and here's another one, and here's another one, and then, oh, I'm going to tell you another punchline, and it's going to, and it's just painful. Yeah. But I will have to, unfortunately, go and see it because Jay wants to see it. So, um, <laughs> I fought back on its atrociousness in due course. Or maybe I was surprised. I don't know. I don't know. Cool. Well, I saw I, I saw two trails of two, but there's a reason for watching two here. I'm not just not just uh, watching two as I usually do. Um, yeah, because the Expendables is coming out, the Expendables two, um, which I'll talk about later because I've seen it. Um, they're also uh, starting to advertise uh, basically Schwarzenegger's back in action. He's in films again now uh, after he's <laughs> been kicked out of office, uh, and Sly is, is doing some other things. So basically, I pretty much I think within a day of each other. There was a new Sylvester Sloan film and a new Schwarzenegger film that got uh, trailers. I feel like you were back in the early 90s. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's very strange. And watching the trailers, it does feel like you're back in the early 90s. They, they look proper. They look really cheesy, really bad gags. The usual sort of, both of them, especially the Schwarzenegger one, milking on his sort of, ooh, now he's old, ha, 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 and sort of thing. Yeah, they look terrible, but... I'm still looking forward to them. Yeah. I don't care. I'm such a sucker for that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they, they look very, very trashy. There's like Johnny Knoxville as a comic Ooh. relief who looks really annoying and stuff. But but whatever. I, I think they look like fun. I don't think I'll rush out to go see them at the cinema, but um, definitely DVD ones. Um, it's Yeah, they're called Bullet Bullet to the Head is the Sylvester Stallone one. And uh, The Last Stand is the Schwarzenegger one. Um, they're also starring together in a film that's coming out in a little bit. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a prison, prison-like action movie or something. Uh, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Did they them. do they share an agent or something? I don't know. I mean, they used to both. Um, they're both involved in Planet Hollywood, weren't they, with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Uh, and they're both in. Um, well, three of those guys are in Expendables Two, uh, which we'll get to. Bruce later. Willis is in Expendables Two. <gasps> yeah, may change my mind about one. this film. He's in the first one, but they've, they've both, they've, uh, Schwarzenegger and Willis have both... Oh, he cameos in the first one, one doesn't second. he? There's that whole weird scene between the three of them yeah, where yeah. it's like, what the frig's going on here? They're ex- I'll talk about it in a second, but yeah. their cameos are uh, extended Matt, I watched Die Hard 2 the other day. I'd be up for a bit of Bruce Willis kick-ass action. Oh, yeah, I love the Die Can't be Die Hard. I think he might have aged a wee bit since, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Cool. Laura, seen any trailers? Do you know what I have? I've just been sitting here racking my brain trying to think of the ones that I saw and I can't remember. Mm. All I can say is I know that I went to see, well, we'll talk about the movies we went to see later in the show, obviously, but like I went to see, um, I went to see something on Ted. Sunday. Ted. <laughs> yeah, I went to see Ted on Sunday and I know that there was a trailer there that I literally the whole way through the trailer went, oh, good God. Oh, my God. Oh, this looks awful. But I can't tell you which one it was. So uh, if you want to guess. 
then maybe win a prize. There's quite a few awful ones knocking around at the minute. Um, Judge Dredd, that's a really bad trailer. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's had surprisingly good word of mouth, but yeah, it looks bad. What I noticed with the Judge Dredd trailer is it looks like a rip-off of The Raid, which only just came out like this year, <laughs> at least in England. So um, Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe they just like put their graphic over the top of it. Yeah. It's well, just cheap. American action movies do that quite a bit. I can always remember Tango and Cash, which I think is an awesome little film. But Tango and Cash, when I watch it again now, they've stolen every single stunt from Police Story, the Jackie Chan film. <laughs> it's bizarre. Like, every every single stunt is exactly the same. It's pretty clever. It's, it's like, was no, are they going to have the same audience? No. Maybe not. Let's just nick all the stunts. It's yeah. the same as remaking, isn't it? Yeah. They've changed the story a bit, but all the stunts are the same. Awesome. <laughs> cool. I like it. It's economic. Right. So, swiftly moving on. Uh, oh, who wants to start? Should we start with, has anyone seen anything good? I've seen something no. that I liked a lot. but Okay, well, shall is, we leave the good, good till last? And Laura, do you want to tell us how bad Ted is? Because <laughs> 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 it looks actually. pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, God. It, do you know what? It wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't as bad as I'd expected. So in that sense, it's like, I don't think, I don't think it was sort of a, you know, going oh, to the cool. cinema and, and just, just wanting to just kill myself for, for two yeah. <laughs> But it was just, it wasn't offensive. I sort of, I sort of feel like I do with Family Guy in, and then it was very much like an episode of Family Guy, you know? And um, so I sort of felt like that, like it, it, it didn't offend me, but it, um, it bored me quite a lot. Like there was a lot of boring moments, and I'm like, and you know, and I do like. Don't get me wrong, I do like many Family Guys, but you know, when just they take those jokes too far. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're the Ted and Mark Wahlberg are beating each other up, and it just goes on and on. Oh and yeah, on it's just the same. And the chicken on. fight, and you just like, fight, yeah. for goodness sake, I'm bored now. <laughs> Move it along. Turn and, into grandma momentarily, and then yeah, and so you know, but. Um, I haven't really explained the story, have I? So, yeah, basically, sorry, just banging on about what was rubbish about it. Um, yeah, the story is that uh, Mark Wahlberg, as a child, had no friends, made this wish to have a, a friend, like his teddy, come to life, and it happened. In fact, no, the wish was he wanted his teddy to talk. Then the teddy could talk and walk and have a brain and think consciously and all of those things, OK? So I think they should have made a better wish. But anyway... Um, he wishes for the teddy to talk and then basically the teddy grows up and it becomes an adult and it becomes really crass and disgusting like you know like those crass and disgusting men <laughs> and that, and 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 actually you know mark Wahlberg's character isn't quite as bad as that so that kind of that's kind of a like you know it doesn't Oh, I can't speak. Anyway, <laughs> so then Mark Wahlberg has a girlfriend. She's she's she doesn't give she doesn't really give him an ultimatum, but it sort of turns out like it either has to be the bear or her, and then like you know obviously he chooses her, but then he screws up, and it's about him trying to get her back. But then also at the end, there's this crazy other plot where the bear gets stolen by some crazy people no, who want the bear, um, and then it all they all come back together, sort of. Towards the end, yeah. and you know, well, sounds like a mess. Thought, it is. No, a, it's not that no, bad. It's not as I, bad as I'm making it sound, actually. But because I, because I'm tired, and you know, I, I always struggle with the, you know giving my stories. But you know, it's just, it's just, it's just it, like I say, it's just it is like a really extended, long version of Family Guy in a format that doesn't really work. 
and Family Guy was a bit old for me anyway. Like, yeah, it got I got old. quite bored of it. So, uh, you know, mm. it, it's all right. There's moments of... There's there's one particularly funny moment at the end, which I won't give away, yeah. because it will give the ending away, but it's, it's the only kind of really laugh-out-loud moment. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, I... Sort of, sort of agree, because I, I saw it as well. I, I, yeah, it was all just a bit like, it was okay. Uh, I don't think I did, I can remember Darren really didn't like it. He's, he's, he's not here today, but yeah, I know he hated it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, That's for not me, surprising. For me, I think, because again, I was going expecting the family guy and all this sort of stuff. For me, it just, I was actually surprised by the story. It's not a good story. It's very textbook and pretty simple. But the actual sort of core sort of, bit I found it surprisingly engaging it's not good but I was quite I was expecting there to be zero story and just be a string of gags can I just say why I think that is though just very very quickly do you know what it could be I think that actually Mark Wahlberg and what's her name the female Kunis. Kunis. yeah I thought their relationship was quite convincing yeah. and their chemistry was quite nice yeah. and actually those well, they're both two quite strong those like two doing a romantic really film starting to come would have been zone. quite watchable yeah. like but there was no need for this stupid bear to be no. involved as well but my problem i just didn't really find it that funny i mean and i used well i used to like family guy again i'm pretty bored of family guy but um i just there was a couple of funny bits in it but and a few like you oh, know you might raise a smile or two but there's very there, i was don't think i think there's like once maybe that i actually laughed out loud and even then it was, wasn't much more than a bit of a chuckle but it was just it just wasn't that funny and yeah, it was it was just weird. It's quite an odd little film. I think I think I, I liked it a little more than you guys just because it was it was quite weird and I just sort of quite liked the way that it was a bit weird. But at the same time, yeah, it's very bland. It's not really funny. It's not particularly well written or anything. I, yeah, I do. I agree. I think I think really Matt Wahlberg and Matt Kunis helped helped keep it going. I think if there's anyone less of an actor than those guys, it would have been utter yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, it would have been awful. I think the other thing, and, and this is probably what Darren would say if he was here, because this is something he mentioned to me afterwards, it's like it made, it sort of made these rules for a world because obviously you've got this bear that's alive, yeah. but in some places didn't stick to those rules, so it was sort of jarring. So, for example, well, the fight that I've just talked about with Mark Wahlberg and the, the teddy, like... He, the teddy gives, you know, gives as good as it gets with Mark Wahlberg. He's really beating him up. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have a proper man-to-man fight. And then in the scene where he's been kidnapped and he's been taken by this man and this man's kid, and, yeah, they're very weird and psychopathic and they're really creepy and scary, but he's in this room with this kid, with, like, the, the dad just gone, oh, right, you can play now. And he just doesn't do anything. He Instead, what he does is he plays hide-and-seek and tries to creep out, and it's like... You clearly can fight. Why yeah. would you not just do something about that? Why would you try and creep out? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it didn't quite. Yeah. It's like he can't. He he can't do anything about it in that situation. But he can beat up Mark yeah. Wahlberg, who's like a really meaty guy. Yeah. Didn't quite make sense. That whole subplot was such a. It was out of nowhere as well. It was so. I mean, they queued it up a little bit earlier, but it was so flimsy and so unnecessary because the relationship, as you say, that 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 bit sort of worked to me because of the performances and things. But then suddenly it's like, shit, we need something exciting to happen. Let's throw in this kidnapping. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, that was that annoyed me a bit. Um, yeah, so no, nothing special. <laughs> Dave's yeah. capture with you, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I sort of, whilst I watched it, I was like, yeah, I went along with it. But as I say, it was sort of engaging. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean he's good. <laughs> no, but you know, it wasn't kind of god awful that you wanted to get up and leave. Yeah, it wasn't boring. It wasn't, I didn't think it, it was terrible. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Although oh, it was a little bit, it was a little bit on the offensive side towards women. It was like there was so yeah. many dumb women in it. Just and they, you know, just to move the story on or just to, you know, make this this Ted this horrible like man type figure mm-hmm. there was so many stupid women in it for that reason and I was just like oh feels slightly sick <laughs> about this but I would have been more offended had it sort of not redeemed itself somewhat through you know Mark Wahlberg and the other girls Mark character things, yeah. but I sort of didn't really care it wasn't as it wasn't terrible but it was just a bit really Really? Well, Are all these women this the stupid, is that really? The Teddy's got Peter Griffin's voice. Yeah. Because yeah. it's obviously oh, the same make, guy and it's oh, like... they make reference to it. It's, it's so such a distinctive annoying. voice that you can't... It can't ever be anything other than... Um, what's his face? Peter Griffin. Yeah, yeah like, but they even watching, make um, reference to it, Linz. They even say, oh, I know, I sound like just, Pete, just like Peter Griffin. And they make reference in to the so film. many things. Yeah. 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 Ooh. yeah. See, oh, we've been watching Sons of Anarchy and for ages I was trying to figure out why the woman in it was really familiar and it's the woman who was in Married with Children who did the voice of, uh, is it Leela or Layla in Future oh. Armour? And it's because her voice is so distinctive that it starts to make you twitch. It's like, but this is yeah. Peter Griffin. This is, I've only just you know, a cartoon character with one eye. She's the same person now, now you mentioned it. Because yeah. they do quite a few Married with Children gags in Future Armour. I never realised why. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's because it's the same woman. And it's only, it's only uh, a quick IMDB search that... Because uh, I'm starting to go a bit, bit crazy as to why oh, so she sounded so familiar but didn't look very familiar. And uh, she's good, but she is, you know, the woman from Futurama. <laughs> and it's like, oh, stop talking like that, put on a different voice. But what there are you going to do? The thing that I wanted to say about it, just one last thing. Um, there's a the, the, the big reference to, like, Flash Gordon in it. Yeah. They were like, watch Flash Gordon as kids. Yeah. And, like, it's, like, their big thing. And there's a massive storyline in it because the, the actor who played Flash Gordon is in this film yeah. as, like, cameo. That's what you call it. Do you yeah. still call it a cameo? It's quite a and big cameo. Big cameo, but yeah. But yeah. And um, and uh, I sort of, I don't know, I sort of felt like they made that decision. I'm totally clutching at straws here, but I felt like they made the decision for this film, because there's lots of reference to like being a kid in the 80s and the films that you watched and the things that you listened to or whatever. And then I got the sense that they chose this film because that was the actor they could get. Not necessarily because yeah. they were going to use Flash Gordon. Yeah. It, I'm totally clutching at straws, but I do, like, when he turned up, I was like, what? But at the really? same time, it's really in there a lot, though, so I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. But then again, I still. To, I still to be honest, though, those, I, I was going to say. It's that a good film to choose. I was going to say, the Flash Gordon bits are probably the only bits I found quite funny in the film. I just, I don't know. I, I just I thought it was quite a random reference to have in it. I, I like Flash Gordon bits, but uh, I guess I, could, I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> I it probably is a case. I think it, I didn't like. I didn't like the actor because he looked so ridiculous. So to have him in there was just so weird. <laughs> he didn't fit for me. Anyway, oh, yeah. next film. Cool. What did you see, Linz? Uh I saw the Born Legacy. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The new Born, but the not Born Born with the Born that's not a Born because Born's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't really, I don't really know where to start with it. Um, so the the premise of the film is. This is like six, eight weeks after Jason Bourne has kind of gone mental and killed everybody and escaped yet again. 
And that woman from the CIA is kind of, oh, we're going to expose it, Pamela Lansby, is that her name? Something like that. I've kind of maybe mixed her with the Murder, She Wrote woman. Yeah, um, yeah does sound well. like her name. <laughs> yeah, I think I have. But Pamela something. It's definitely Pamela. Um, anyway, yeah. so what you've got is you've got uh, Jeremy Renner, who is in the Arctic, and he's evidently a badass. The first thing we see is him swimming underwater in the ice and, and being hunted by a pack of wolves. Do that all the time. Wolves. <laughs> so Jeremy Renner, obviously a badass, every so often takes a couple of pills. Hmm, I wonder what's going on here. Then you've got Edward Norton and the guys at the CIA talking about Bourne going rogue and how it's all going to be exposed and that they're going to have to shut it down. So obviously, and all this is in the trailer, this is not spoilers, uh, the, and then you've got, oh, you've also got Rachel Wise as a super scientist in a corner doing her super science thing um, on the test subjects. So Ed Norton and that decide that the Bourne pro, the project, it's not called Bourne, what was it called in the first, in the Bourne films? The whole experiment Dreadstone. is just going to be shut down. Yeah. And that includes killing everybody involved. So they wipe out all of their born type operatives. But because Jeremy Renner's in the wilderness and he's a badass, he figures it out. He doesn't get the drugs that they kill most of them with. And obviously from that point on, chaos ensues. And it's not very good. <laughs> I've not just, heard much good stuff about it, to be honest. It just, it lacks so much. Like, it really hinders itself by tying into the Bourne stuff because the Bourne films are so good, especially the first one, which is so quiet and so realistic in places, obviously. I've never, ever fought for my life with magazines, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you if that's true or not. But it, it, one of the things about Bourne that's brilliant is we'd never seen Matt Damon be a badass. Yeah. Like, he'd been in films where other people around him were badasses and you knew he had chops on him, but he'd never really been a badass and he didn't look like a badass in the films. And then, so when he was a badass, it was like, whoa... That's impressive. But the only shit we ever see Jeremy Renner do is beat people up. And it's like, he's good at it. But they, they get it all wrong. Like, they try and have all the kind of, kind of almost calm of the first Bourne film and the plot that's really about kind of trying to find out who you are and, and, and what it means to be you. And, and then all the kind of more realistic things like cars don't explode when they turn over. And, <laughs> like, that lovely shootout with Clive Owen in the woods in the first one. Yeah. That they really try and have that realism, but then they try and throw in a kind of Mission Impossible-style <laughs> action plot. And so it has a really unsatisfying ending, and you just never really... Like, it's fun, but you never really get into it. And it lost me, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, when Jeremy Renner went mano o mano with a wolf. <laughs> and it's just, like, you don't... There's no, they, they put in this whole device about him being tracked by this pack of wolves for no reason, because that's not wolf behaviour. Um, and then he ends up wrestling with one, and it's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, there are other gray. ways to yeah. show that he's badass. Thinking, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think he did a good job. I think the, the parts of it, like if you took it, looked at it all individually, like all the performances are good, the plot is where the big problem is. Um, you know, the action's good, the set pieces are good, some of the you know, characters thrown in at the last minute were a bit shit. Um, it just, it just was a bit shit. Like, yeah. it just wasn't, it wasn't particularly dramatic. It wasn't particularly thrilling. It wasn't particularly kind of tense. Like, you never doubted. I never doubted that he'd get away. Yeah. Um, 
And he never really goes through any kind of serious trial in which to do that. Like, you know, he obviously, um, him and of all the, you know, all the born E's, I don't know what they call them, and <laughs> the scientists, him and Rachel Weisz are the only ones that, that kind of get away, and obviously they get away together. But, like, there was just, there was nothing to invest in. It was just like, meh, so what? <laughs> meh, so what? And then the ending was just really like, meh, so what? And it's a real shame. Sounds like but Spider-Man. <laughs> if they do one with Matt Damon and Jeremy Renner, then maybe they'll redeem themselves. Mm. But they have to put Jeremy Renner in the born world, not born in the Adrian. I can't remember his fucking name. Yeah. It was just that kind of like, so what? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was some cool stuff in it. There was the films obsessed with people running rough, across rooftops and, <laughs> you know, there's some, Jeremy Renner runs up a wall at one point, which is really cool. It's like, whoa, Jeremy Renner's been practicing his free running. But, uh, and it is obviously him as well. It's like, well, that's pretty impressive. Okay. But, you know, when you're sat there going, oh, look, Jeremy Renner can run up a wall instead of, oh, oh my God, how's he going to get away? CIA, they're trying to kill him. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And even Jay, who likes this trash crap, was a bit like, oh, it was a bit shit. So, Boo. yeah, that's my born review. It's a bit shit. <laughs> well, after these two shit films. <laughs> Come on, then. Is this going to be a... Two. Some people oh, will think God. that this is shit. Are you going to tell us this was good? I watched this Venom <laughs> 2 and I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I was always going to like it. And yeah, yeah, you were. If anyone... You guys watch it, you'll probably fucking think it was terrible. Oh, but, no, don't disregard my love it, for trash action, Dave. Did it actually have the guy from... Um, Oh no! Forget it. I'm what? not going to say because I can't remember the name of the thing. I'll uh, I'll, I'll go through the uh, plot. There's a plot. <laughs> yeah, basically. In inverted commas. Yeah. Oh no! Wait. Before we go through the plot, can we go through the cast list? Who the exactly list. is in this film? Okay. We have uh, fucking hell. We've got Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Uh, Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jet Li, although he's only in the beginning, which pissed me off. I love Jet Li. Uh, Jet Li. Uh, Randy Couture. Um, Liam Hensworth. Who's Randy? Uh, What's his face? Sorry. Randy, what's his face? Randy, I've I've done him. <laughs> no, I don't know who he is. Oh, sorry, he's he's a he's next uh, mixed martial arts champion or something like that. He's okay. He's so he's done a few boys trashy movies. He he's doing quite a few straight to video thingies. Oh, there's another guy. What's his name? Oh, fuck. Uh, Can't remember his name. Anyway, whatever. Um, who else have we got? Then we've got uh, John Claude Van Damme. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris? Yeah. And uh, also um, Scott Atkins, uh, who's in a lot of awesome straight-to-DVD stuff. Uh, yeah, so loads Mr. of... Mr Bean. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Uh, loads of, loads of, uh, action, loads of, sort of big-name action stars and stuff like that, and some smaller-name ones, which are always nice to get in there. Um, yeah, if you've seen the first film, you know what to expect. It's the, it's the same sort of thing. It's just basically a rip-off of all the old sort of 80s and uh, 90s action movies. And But I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It knows what it is. It doesn't try to be anything else, and it works. So whatever, it's good for me. Um, in terms of, like, comparing it to the first one, because the first one, I really enjoyed the first one. I loved it. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't quite... It was so hyped up for me. It was always this movie. These movies were made for me, and because of all the hype and because of what I wanted from it, it didn't fully deliver. There's, it wasn't quite enough action. It wasn't quite enough silly, quite silly enough sometimes. There's a few little 
issues. Uh, the new, the second film fixes a few of those issues. Uh, I think it's it's a little, it's even sillier this time. Uh, some of the stuff, but in a good, in a sort of a good way. It feels it feels more like a traditional sort of cheesy 80s action movie. Whereas the other one, it's it, yeah, it felt like a cheesy action movie. But I think Sylvester Stallone was directing right in the first one. He he tried to do a little bit more with it. He tried to give it a little more heart and stuff like he does with his Rockies and all stuff like that. Um, which he, he got away with, to be honest, in the first film. I mean, there's, there's not loads of it. It's still a cheesy action movie. But this second one's like, fuck that. We're just going to have... Um, well, basically, I'll run, through, I'll run through the story. But um, uh, basically, the Expendables, the group of the, the guys are called the Expendables, they get sent out on a, um, a mission to find this... Uh, they need to get a safe out of this plane that's crashed in China. And and they're given this uh, this this safe cracking expert woman who needs to go along with them and help them, uh, and they go to do that. They take the safe out, um, and they then they get caught by Van Damme and his uh, minions, uh, who take this box and they. Oh, no, it's a bit of a spoiler. They do something else anyway that pisses them off. They do something else that pisses them off, uh, and basically what happens is this box we realise. Uh, is a map to where this hidden plutonium is that the Russians hid, and hid during the Cold War. Uh, so basically, it's all about a maniacal, an evil bad guy with loads of potential nuclear weapons. So it's good, old-fashioned, cheesy, bad guy, has bad shit, he's going to destroy the world, the good guys need to stop him, um, which, is, which is cool. Um, yeah, villains and good guys is always good for an action movie. Yeah. <laughs> and... I must say Van Damme was an awesome villain. That, that helped a lot. And the villain was good in the first one, but what seeing Van Damme do it, 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 that was nice, a nice touch. Um, so again, that was another slight improvement. One thing that was wrong with the first one, there was way too much CGI, like really bad CGI in it. And they had CGI blood, which pisses me off. It's like, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to do an old, if you're going to do an old school action movie, do it like an old school get action movie. Get ketchup out. Yeah, get the fucking ketchup out of the squibs. Don't have fucking CGI everywhere. It's bollocks. It looks shit. Um, the second film, the first scene, they had loads of CGI blood again. It was like, oh, no. But it sort of didn't look as bad later on, and the CGI in general is, is a little bit better in this film, so the special effects are a bit better, which is good. Um, so, yeah, there's a few little improvements. I think on the whole as well, the action's a bit more well-balanced. There's, there's I don't know if there's necessarily loads more action, but it's sort of spread out quite nicely. Whereas in the first one, there's a big scene at the beginning, then a big scene at the end, and not a, not a huge amount in between. This one's a bit spread out, which is good. Um, but at the same time, a few things don't work as well. I watched the first one again just before watching the second one. And I actually think some of the banter's a bit stronger in the first film because the first film follows Sylvester Stone and Jason Statham just on their own quite a lot. And, and they're actually, they're not amazing actors, but they, they've got charisma. They work quite well together. They, 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 they seem quite friendly in real life, I think. And, and it's sort of, their chemistry is quite nice. I'm not sure there's um, much acting going on there, Dave. I think they're just chatting. Yeah. But it but works because they're kind of, you bit know... Bit of banter, yeah. It. I think they even improvise a bit of the banter. I was watching the making of and stuff the other day. But, um, but oh in the dear. second film... You do like these films. I fucking love these films. But the making of is really good. Anyway, um, but they... In the second film, they try and make it more of a group effort and there's, there's more going on for the other actors and it doesn't really work. Like... Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, that's the other guy, isn't it? I can't fucking happen to forget him. He's amazing. That's what I was asking you earlier and you ignored me. Oh, I was like, there's Dolph in it. Dolph oh, in I it. Didn't hear it. Which yeah. makes it sound like I was asking is there a Dolph in it. <laughs> <laughs> but Dolph Lundgren's in it. And uh, in the last film, he had a darker edge and he was um, almost, he turned to, the, turned to the dark side. He became a bad guy in the first film. 
But in the second film, he's back on their side. And uh, in the second film, he becomes like a comic relief and it doesn't work. He's really bad and oh, no. it's painful. Those scenes are really bad. And the gags in general, the, when the cameos come in, when Schwarzenegger and Willis and Chuck Norris come in, uh, there's a lot of gags with those guys, a lot of in-jokes, and they're pretty cringeworthy. I mean, I don't, with a film like that, yeah, you sort of want them to be cheesy. I don't mind if the jokes are a bit naff, but they're a bit, ooh, it's like... Lots of I'll be, I'm back and stuff like this. And, oh no, there's uh, naff and then there's just yeah, bad. Those bits didn't really work, but at the same time, watching, they got finally, in the first one, they just had a little camera at the beginning. In this, they actually get the guns out and blow the shit out of everything, which, is, which was <laughs> what we wanted to see. That was one disappointment of the first film. Is that pretty much the plot? Yeah. Get guns no, out, blow no, but at the same out, time, in the first film, Schwarzenegger and Willis just have a chat and it's quite a funny little scene, but they don't do anything. This one, Schwarzenegger's got two fucking oozes in each hand or whatever and Chuck Norris. Two oozies in each hand. Yeah, but no, no, one oozie in each hand, maybe. <laughs> Bloody hell, I need a big man. That's like they're some not serious actually oozies, but something like that. Dave's getting really excited now, Lindsay. I'm in the room on my own with him. Just, let's, just, let's chat about the oozies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but this time you get the actors really letting rip. It's lots of fun. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it. How long is it? It's a, it's a nice lean 90 minutes, which is what it should or be. Then I'd be sold. 90 minutes of people blowing shit up, I'm there. Yeah. There's <laughs> like loads of fucking over, explosions. tired, hungry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the kind of shit I can take. There's, I mean, this, it's not a, obviously not a brilliant film. As I say, some of the jokes don't work. The dialogue's terrible. But the story's <laughs> stupid, but it's, it's, it's so much fun. I had a fucking massive grin on my face the whole time, and that's what you, you want. Do you think it's like a porn film? It, I mean, Dave from, came out and wanted to go and buy an Uzi. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what happened. It did make me feel badass walking out of the cinema. I did want to beat some people up on the way home, but I thought, <laughs> did, I thought maybe With not. your black belt. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I enjoyed the hell of it. But you'll know if you like it or not. If, yeah. if you like that sort of thing, go and see it now. You will love it. If you know you're not into action movies and you don't care, if, if you don't want to see Schwarzenegger with a gun, then yeah, don't bother. Yeah, what's Not born. Yeah. Or Ted. <laughs> No. So, but yeah, that's that's uh, my uh, recommendation for the fortnight. Book my tickets this weekend. Cool. Right. Ooh, what time are we on? Can we? Can, can we, we, we squeeze in? We should squeeze in some Hitchcock, some Hitchcock chat. Sorry, Liz, missed that. I said we should squeeze in some Hitchcock chat. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you want me to start? I think we should start. Oh, that's because I'd never seen. I'd never seen any before this. Yeah. Um obligatory kind of oh my god oh, ooh, mm. oh like i've only seen the first godfather and the only hitchcock i have still watched sorry <laughs> is rope okay oh, which is That's what laura recommended i start with and it was a damn good recommendation it's a great <laughs> film and it's i don't know if they're all like that I've seen bits of other Hitchcocks, like I've seen bits of Psycho no. and bits of The Birds and quite... bits of the one with the guy in the wheelchair with the binoculars, rear window. Rear window. Yeah, he's yeah. a master of suspense and that is like a, a fucking masterclass in suspense, that one, but it, they're not all like that because that was like, taken like that one, one, one. Um, But yeah, like I like, like I really enjoyed Rope. It was, um, it was a different pace of film than things that we'd been watching recently, so it took me a while to kind of get into it, well, things weren't going to explode. <laughs> but it's like like I, I felt that it would make an incredible play obviously oh, yeah. because it's all in one yeah. room and yeah. all the drama kind of unfolds in, in, uh, unfolds in front of you in it's real time it's a long take isn't it but it's with yeah. hidden cuts yeah with hidden cuts I think yeah what sorry 
There's, it's supposed to be one long take, yes. but I think the are the hidden cuts. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know, yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of noticed about five minutes in that it had been one shot, but they do a lot of um, the camera will go, will kind of almost walk into someone's back and then pull out again. Yeah. Or yeah. it will kind of go around a corner and there'll be a kind of a blank screen for a second. And I think that's obviously where they're hiding the cuts, but it's very clever. Yeah. And it yeah. did feel like a, a good old suspense theatre. Mm. So I kind of put my, I had to kind of switch to theatre brain as opposed to film brain because they're different mediums and I would love, love to see it on stage. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to do it on stage. Incredible play. Yeah. I don't know if it's been done, you know. I was wondering this. It probably and it has. Need, I can't based. imagine the script would need much more. Mm. Like a film script would work on stage and it would work like it's not, that's what, what I really liked about it is that it's not particularly attached to its, to its time. It's not particularly attached to any kind of culture or, or social no. kind of relevance. It's just about the kind of what Have these we even two boys what think they can get away with. And <laughs> I can't really, um, and the idea of kind of teaching a big theory, but then in reality it doesn't really work. And the one of them slightly cracking up, although he's a bit mental, it's quite entertaining to watch. It has that it kind of had a very it had a very theatrical build to his mm. kind of craziness because in a film normally people because you cut away over time people don't kind of you know disintegrate into madness that quickly whereas on stage they do it all the time and we just accept it because you know we've only got a couple of hours and the audience's bums will get sore yeah. so yeah like I really really liked it and it made me want to watch more and yeah. um, I mean, that's um, not even regarded as one of his best. I'd definitely check see, out some more. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, like, some, uh, that for me is, that one is one, it's joint favourite, oh, right. that one right. for me. I love that one. I think it's from what you're saying, Linz, because I, obviously I love theatre and I think that that film is the closest to theatre you could ever be without it being mm. with, well, yeah. yeah, because it's brilliant, but usually if you try to make a film like that it wouldn't work at all but like that just it's just incredible I just think it's an amazing film I love it so much and just like when I watched it when I watched it I just was like so engrossed for that time and then when it ended it's just like oh oh yeah I'm here like I'm just so engrossed in it Mm. um but I don't think we even explained the story but I don't know the story the film opens with two kind of what university age men kind of just maybe you know, probably early 20s and they the film opens with them strangling um another boy with a piece of rope and then they put him in like a chest in the living room kind of apartment area um but they're having a dinner party and to this dinner party they're inviting um this the boy that they've just killed's girlfriend the his dad the boy that is interested in the dead boy's girlfriend and their professor who taught them this kind of theory of and everybody being able to kind of, you know, kill people who they choose and it not being a bad thing to do. Can't really remember the philosophy. Um, yeah. And so the, and they, they serve dinner on top of this chest and the one guy's mm. kind of orchestrating certain situations, so encouraging the, the girlfriend and the other interested boy into situations where they're together and, and kind of probing them. And where is the, But the other kind of slightly more crazy one is beginning, you know, the mask is starting to slip. And then everyone leaves and then the professor comes back and they get found out. And it's very, it's just, it's quite, it's quite subtle in terms of like what happens. It's all just about the, the suspense and the tension that builds because mm. you, you kind of know from the start, it's all, it almost feels like it's their intention yeah. to be caught. Like yeah. the one of them, you know, he's going to give the game away because he just can't, he's just not in control of his emotions. And the other one, 
it's almost like his ego wants him to be caught because he wants people yeah, to know what they've done because he's, he yeah. thinks it's so terribly, terribly clever. Yeah. And mm. I quite like that about it. It's almost like it's not the, it's not the if. It's like, oh, are they going to get found out? It's like, how is this going to unfold? How are they going to get found out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and it's just cool. brilliant that you. It's just like usually, uh, you know, it's almost like a murder mystery that yeah. starts at the end. It's just incredible. Um, cool. But uh, do you want to go next? I was going to say yeah because it leads it leads a little bit onto me. I mean, you were saying that um, uh, we were talking about it being like one take and one room and stuff like that. And I think Hitchcock does that quite a lot in terms of uh, he likes to constrain himself to sort of challenge himself. Uh, so the one that I'm going to talk about is one that the most recent Hitchcock film that I saw, uh, which is uh, Lifeboat. Oh, okay. And with Lifeboat, what it is is uh, basically these. Uh, I seen this one. A um, a ship is a ship is sunk. Basically, it's during during World War Two. Uh, a, a British sort of ship is sunk by a German uh, submarine, and all the survivors, uh, a, a bunch of survivors, basically end up on this lifeboat. Gradually come onto this lifeboat. And the whole film is just set on this lifeboat. So again, mm-hmm. like like the ro- like rope, it's just one tiny setting. Um, again, sort of const- adding an extra constraint to sort of to um, to Hitchcock's work. And again, I mean, what, what I think is great about Hitchcock is oh, sorry, I'll, I'll just explain a little more about. The story, sorry, sorry. And uh, but what what sort of chain mixes things up? It's not just them sat in a lifeboat waiting to get home. Uh, that'd be shit. <laughs> and, Basically, one of the passengers, the last passenger that they drag up onto the boat is a German. Um, oh, okay. And so it really plays on the tension between them and whether they should leave him on board as a prisoner, whether they should chuck him off and kill him. Um, uh, who is he? There starts to be suggestions that maybe he's... Because he, he poses as, like, just a, a random sort of... I don't know, just just a sailor or whatever. But um, it, there's suggestions that he might be the captain and all this sort of stuff. And uh, and there's there's a lot of tensions on the boat between the people. There's a diverse range of people on there, um, and there's a lot of it's again as usual. It's about the tension, um, which is great, and it's such a small place, a little melting pot. Everything's going crazy. But um, what it really shows is what Hitchcock does a lot is I, I, I get this a lot because I've heard a lot of people say when you talk about old films, but especially when you talk about Hitchcock, about oh how good it is, oh it's still really scary, it's really tense. And people say, oh, they, they don't rely on special effects and stuff in those days. Really, to be honest, one of one Hitchcock's uh, talents was uh, he did revolutionise a lot of stuff. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. special effects and CGI, but he, like the, the famous Vertigo shot where he pulls the camera oh, back yeah. but zooms in, stuff yeah. like that. He helped create these amazing technical sort of uh, achievements, really, these different technical and um, different techniques of filmmaking. So he was revolutionising it. And... Uh, what lifeboat? What he does uh, to sort of bring it alive? Because it's obviously just in one set setting. It could get very dull and look very boring. But he manages to shoot. Um, there's no, never a shot repeated in the whole film. It always manages to find a new angle, a new perspective. The whole thing is just every single shot is different. And he was adamant to do that. Um, so it's actually visually quite interesting. What's also interesting is. Um, what is done with the music. There's actually, like the birds, there's no music in this film except for right at the very beginning and right at the end. Um, and the birds, birds, I don't think, has any music in it at yeah. all, um, which is really clever. I mean, a lot of people sort of say, like, horror and things like that rely on the music. Mm. And a lot of Hitchcock's uh, most famous films have got incredibly famous sort of scores in there, North by Northwest, Psycho, okay. ludicrously famous music. Um, 
but like here and later on in um this is quite a long time before birds but um here what he does is he uses he uses the weather and the sort of sounds of the ocean and stuff like that to if he wants to crank up the sort of the atmosphere and the tension so whenever whenever sort of uh everyone's sort of at each other on the boat and there's some sort of fight going on or something like that then the weather builds up and there's some sort of storm or the 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 water gets choppier and you can hear it on the soundtrack you can see it in the boat it's really really nice technique it works very well i mean it sounds obvious but it just works really really well um, and like the birds the birds is the soundtrack is just made up of the bird noises that he, uh, bernard herman who did a lot of his scores sort of helped him uh, create it's just little weird creepy bird noises mm. and it makes it very strange if you watch the, the birds is an odd film to watch and i think it's mainly because it's got no music yeah, it feels eerie and a bit creepy because it doesn't feel like you're used to this music drawing you along and f fudging over the sort of cracks and things yeah well music just filling the gaps isn't it and music yeah. telling you how to feel as opposed to what you're seeing in front of you yeah. kind of evoking emotion it's oh, like music yeah, to kind of yeah, with the pull your heartstrings yeah. or yeah. make you scared or whatever yeah. you're absolutely forcing the birds to yeah to make your own decisions yeah. about and again like that like a, what you want to yeah play. and like i said earlier hitchcock does like to challenge himself like that and try things new like oh let's not have music let's not do this let's set it all in one place let's have it as one take he loves he was to really, sort of play with it he was pushing the boundaries but doing it well and also revolutionizing revolutionizing so many things at yeah. the same time and his films are still really accessible really entertaining uh he just had an amazing balance it was just um yeah easily more if not my absolute favourite filmmaker, he's, he's certainly up there. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, I've got more, plenty more to be watching. So my, if, if Rope is your joint favourite, what's the other what's half the of that? One? Um, Rear Window. Oh, that's my favourite. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rear Window, I love it. Um, and it was the first Hitchcock that I ever saw. Um, quite about, what, about... <laughs> about 10 years ago now, probably maybe a little mm. bit more. And I was just hooked. And after that, I just wanted to watch every single film he'd ever made. And I've been on a mission since, and I still haven't done it, which is terrible. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just such an incredible film. And what I was just thinking, as Dave was talking then, about the fact that all three of us, you with Rope, him with Lifeboat, me with Rear Window, we've all talked about the films that Hitchcock made that were quite tense, one-room-type films, perhaps quite a small cast, um, particularly Rear Window, there's pretty much only two characters for the majority of the film. There are other characters in there, but the majority of the film is two characters and, uh, you know, and then for a good part of the film, just one, which is Jimmy Stewart just, like, you know, doing his thing. And he's incredible anyway. So when they worked together, it was just magic, I thought. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so it's about this guy who he's... he's I've broken his leg and he's, he's housebound and he lives in this uh, block of flats and it's like in a square so you can basically from his window he can see like what's going on in the flats opposite um, in all the different windows so it's basically about him sort of watching these different stories unfold in front of him in these windows as he's sort of housebound and then there's also this um, there's also a relationship going on, on with him um, and Oh, what is that actress's name? How has it escaped me? My she's brain's incredible. going there. She's really famous. Yeah, very, very famous. I One get, of those I get a little beautiful mixed up though. Blonde. It's not Grace. Friend. Grace. Kelly. Yeah, it is Grace. Okay. Grace Kelly. Um, and I think. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and there's a relationship between them, and she's sort of visiting him and bringing him food and things like that, and he's 
it's, there's a, there's a sort of like tension between them of him not obviously not really committing to her but he clearly really likes her and then he starts to make her go in so basically he starts to suspect something's going on in one of the flats and he starts to make her go and sort of investigate what's happening and mm. um, so he sort of pulls her into this world and she sort of does it because she really likes him but actually she's trying to convince him he's being a bit mad um, and and there's just these there's but it's just incredible because a lot of the time you are watching what he's watching through this mm. window and it's just intoxicating. It's just yeah. like this complete voyeurism. It's that notion yeah. of being and it's kind incredible. of a voyeur, isn't it? Seeing I, things you're not supposed to. Yeah. Sorry. Seeing things you're not supposed to and looking in places you're not normally allowed to. Yeah. It's it's, a, yeah. it's compelling. But weirdly enough, I. I um this is just a weird story that is connected to Rear Window for me now and I ha- this hadn't happened to me before I first saw it but I this um this kind of artistic experiment once in London where I had to go and like be in a flat for a week without oh, any yeah, contact talk, yeah. with the outside world and it was and I was in a flat where you could see things going on in another window and I found myself doing that yeah. because I got like so bored with my own company I just started looking out of the window and looking and like started making up these stories about <laughs> people and it's just like it's actually what you do like I realised this is what you would do if you were mm. housebound but anyway like and didn't that have some revolutionary camera shots like the through the window camera shots and stuff like that yeah pretty much I think the set was quite revolutionary there because obviously they actually did sort of pretty much build this little courtyard area where you could see the other uh, the other side of it and uh, things like that. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about other technical but things. But sort of like the other things like when you, a lot of the time when you watch I mean especially the movies today if you watch Tension it's usually like you're quite close to the action, you can see what's going on you, you know but this is all through a window like you're watching from this one window through a courtyard into this other window mm. and that's where you're watching it from so you can see you can't even hear everything yeah. that's going on it's all muffled and you know you can yeah, see bits and then sometimes they're behind, walls, they're behind walls. Things, yeah. oh and the way it's just so incredible so tense it's quite funny as well some of the little um, other characters in the building and stuff are quite entertaining so Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That's my favourite Hitchcock as well. Yeah, but so. then you've got all these massive action films that really that he made, like North by Northwest. Oh yeah, like North by Northwest is brilliant. It's great fun, and that's another completely different sort of film. That's more. I mean, it's quite tense, but it's more. There's some really tense scenes in it, but that's more just pure entertainment. It's so fast paced. It's so funny. It's it's just uh, it's just great fun. And then you've got Psycho, which is mm. a bit more disturbing, a bit more. <laughs> so and that's more about I love Psycho, and it's um, yeah. And a lot of that hinges on the... What's interesting about that is obviously how the story just totally changes halfway through. It's like you've got this sort of uh, robbery sort of thriller at the beginning about this woman stealing some money. Oh, I'm ruining it for Lindsay, but... (laughs) All right. But yeah, but then halfway through the film, there's the shower scene, which totally changes the film, What everything that it's about, and it's like, whoa, what the fuck? Obviously, everyone knows what happens now, so it's not quite. Yeah. It doesn't have the yeah, same impact. Yeah, it doesn't have the same impact because everybody knows that that's going to happen. Yeah. But, but it's again, still a that great scene film. is like you watch. I still struggle to watch that scene oh, yeah. now because even though there's not any, there's not any like it, mm, penetration. No, of the you don't really quite see all it. sound and and, and cuts and, cuts and it's like just hun- oh, it's horrific. Yeah. There's like to hundreds watch. of shots. I can't remember how many shots there are, but there's hundreds of completely different shots of this one quick sort of. Uh, thing that's happening and, and the music the music's amazing in that film yeah, which helps um, all strings and uh, oh, yeah you can't be a bit strings and tension they're like a match made in heaven yeah <laughs> but the way they play them as well again that was really revolutionary I mean it was Bernard Herrmann did the music but I'm sure Hitchcock had a big say in a lot of it um, but yeah brilliant 
Yeah, I love him. <laughs> but yeah, we should probably start tying things up. Yeah, we should. Things. I could talk about. We should do. We should come back. We should watch more and come back and talk about him because I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch them more. Yeah, um, I might do with rear, win- rear window. Rear window. Rear window next. Rear window and, next. And I feel like I should probably watch Psycho, but. Yeah, you should definitely watch Psycho. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those that it's like, no. oh, I've seen kind yeah. of bits of it, and then you kind of know what happens because it's impossible not to, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. it's like trying to, like if you were trying to watch Fight Club now, yeah, good luck. Yeah. you're like uh, for the first time, we're like, mm, yeah. not really. Although that is a great film. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, wrapping things. What's cool. our next theme going to be? Uh, well, like, we actually days, got Dave. We actually Laura, anybody. We have a listener. <laughs> we had a listener that um, that emailed us with a suggestion for a new theme. Uh, he suggested band films because there's some interesting stuff about, uh, uh, in, I think it's on the BBC website, talking about uh, this island of uh, lost souls, uh, which recently got, uh, it's, it's getting re-released on cinema and it, on, uh, Masters of Cinema have done a, a Blu-ray of it that I reviewed on the site recently. And, that, and the BBC were talking about how that's interesting because that film was banned and it was considered sort of sick um, when it came out in the 30s. Uh, but now it's a PG, <laughs> so it's yeah. like... Uh, and so that so he was suggesting doing something about band films. Uh, I think that could be interesting in terms of not necessarily just all of us watching Human Centipede and looking no, shit thanks. like that. No, no, I am. I'm the same. I'm not interested in shit like that. But uh, difficult maybe, films. Yeah, but talk about yeah some films that have been banned for different reasons. I mean, like Life of Brian got banned in certain areas of Life of, of Brian. I love the, of the UK. Like, and of course, Life of Brian was banned. It's so kind yeah. of blasphemous. It's brilliant. So I think it'll be interesting for some of us to maybe find some find out find some films that were banned for interesting reasons and and talk about why if you watch them and think do you really think it should be well to be honest I don't I think most of us agree that I don't think any of us are that into banning films but you can't have freedom of speech if you ban shit. But it'd be interesting to hear what people thought about the actual objectionable content. Um, yeah, is so that that's the official idea, but, term for it? Yeah, the, the, only, the only thing I would say is um, the only other suggestion I was I was tempted to maybe push that back an episode. The other, I don't know. We'll, we'll chat to you guys. But another possibility was because Tony Scott randomly commits, committed suicide this week mm. out of the blue. Um, so another, do you know why this happened? Apparently, no one's well. There was a rumour, one American news channel said it was because Cancer. he had an, an inoperable no, brain, no, no, brain tumour. It's, then all, that's, it's yeah. all just noise. There's no point in speculating no, they, they until... Oh, it's okay. not that's, just, that's, just, that's just internet gossip. No. Obviously, oh, he had his reasons. Yeah. But, um, his reasons are... Yeah. Me. Reasons unknown, apart from the people that he told. So, yeah. But you want to kind of you want to do something about Tony Scott? Yeah, if, I, I, yeah I was, I'm going to end up coming to you and like, I watched this film, you'd be like, that was Ridley Scott, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, Didn't sure he do Top Gun? Yeah, he did Top Gun. There's loads of films you you will have seen. You still haven't Tony seen Scott all the way film. through. You've uh, never. Oh, tell me you got to the homoerotic volleyball scene. The whole film's very homoerotic. Oh, I think I have seen that bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much body I watched oil most in that it, film. It's, it's, a, it's a homage to gay lifestyles. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that again recently. Yeah, it is very gay, but it's, it's cool. Really gay. Does it have a blue light sex scene as well, or is that Terminator yes. One? Probably. I saw that bit the, in it. There's definitely one in Terminator One. A few weeks ago. And got about halfway through, but then I had to go to bed. Terminator, Terminator's James James Cameron's films are always blue. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and he does. But there's a whole kind of blue light sex scene, which at one point she grabs the duvet cover, and all you see is her hand kind of grab the oh, fabric, yeah. and it's like, oh. But no, so, it's like, oh god, we'll it's a really chat. bad sex scene, but yeah. it's brilliant well, that... in its comedy. Get drunk and try and recreate it. That's my top tip for the week. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> We'll see. Dave, you can report back on that for us next time. We'll discuss among ourselves and we'll either do Tony Scott or Band, but we'll definitely do Band at some point, so keep no, listening. Did Tony Scott's film ever get banned? 
Tony Scott? Um, no. No. <laughs> Maybe oh, in well, some then countries. we'll have to do them as separates. But no. Uh, anyway, cool. So we will we will have some sort of theme anyway. But uh, let's quickly run through what's coming out the next fortnight. We've got The Watch, which is supposed to be shit. Uh, it's the one with lots of comedian people in it. Uh, it looks crap. Uh, Keith... uh, yeah, no, Jay wants to see that. It looks bad. Yeah, it's, bad. it's supposed to be pretty awful. Um, uh, Keith Lemon, the film, which will probably shot in Belfast. Well done, Wasn't Belfast. It? Okay. Yeah, we went, we ended up in the same bar as that lot when they had their after like rap party, and uh, yeah. some guy came downstairs and was like, "Do you want to go and meet Keith Lemon?" <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so I can get whatever I like, get drugs, and it was like, and <laughs> yeah, and I saw I saw I saw Vern Troyer because he's staying in the hotel opposite my office. Awesome. But anyway, carry on. Anyway, uh, we've got The Imposter, which is a documentary. My brain has suddenly gone and that camera it's about, but I've heard it's very good. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to mention those, they sound rubbish. Uh, Total Recall's out on the 29th of August, uh, which, meh, I'm not too sure about that. I thought it was already out, but it must be in America. Um, yeah, I've seen some really bad review headlines. Yeah, it did, yeah. did quite badly in America. It sounds pretty bland. Uh, okay, on the 31st of August, we've got The Possession, which is another fucking possession Horror movie. Oh, There's millions really? of them. I saw a trailer for the other night. It's not found footage. Yeah, uh, no, it's not found footage. Luckily, um, but I saw a trailer the other night. To be honest, it's got a few creepy images in there, but it doesn't look special. Um, then we've got Rec Three Gener- Genesis, third Rec film, which um, I've actually heard quite good. I've actually been sent a copy of that to review. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pass it on to someone else because I've not seen the second one. But uh, it's it's supposed to be a bit more fun than the other ones. But we'll see. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Cockneys vs. Zombies, uh, which is probably shit. Uh, the Barbarian Sound Studio, which I've actually heard quite a lot of good things about. I don't know much about it, but it's supposed to be some sort of weird, sort of strange sort of thriller. Um, and it, the, I don't know. It's supposed to look cool, and I don't know. I've heard good things about it, but I don't know much about it. It's got... Um, oh, who's the guy who played... Not Philip Seymour Hoffman, but who played Capote in that other Capote film? The funny-looking guy. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Anyway, it's got him in it, and he's usually worth watching. Uh, and then we've got The Myth of the American Sleepover, which is an, an indie film that came out in America ages ago uh, that's, that's supposed to be quite good, I think. Um, I don't know much about it. It's about sleepovers. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so we've got those to look forward to. Nothing too exciting. Um, but, yeah, uh, so we might not have much to talk about next week. Uh, cool. Uh, other side news before we go... We will have chosen a new podcast theme by the time I edit the podcast together, but we haven't done now, so I can't say who's won because I don't know yet. Um, I just know who's It's placed. a big secret. He has really. He's just lying. It's yeah. just a big secret. It's a big reveal. But you'll all have listened to it at the beginning of this podcast, hopefully, if it all goes well. Um, cool. And I'm sure it sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, also, it is our 30th episode. We didn't do anything special, but... 30 sounds Happy cool. birthday to us. As old as me. She has paid copyright <laughs> no, of that no. song. Pretend I didn't sing that. <laughs> so, yeah, 30 episodes were awesome. Um, as ever, follow us. Uh, go to our website, blueprintreview.co.uk. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bpreview. Uh, Twitter is at blueprintrev, all one word. And if you want to email us, like our faithful listener, whose name I've forgotten, did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, he's gone now, he's gone, damn. Uh, But no, uh, email us, info at blueprintreview.co.uk. Cool. Right, that's it. You guys can bugger off. Bye. Bye. Bye.